I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, March 9th, 2023, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, for the Peak Pals fact of the day, 33% of Canadian non-homeowners who think they'll never afford a house, so 33% of them say they'll never afford a house per a new Mortgage Professionals Canada survey. That's a record high for this number, up 15% from just a year ago, Jay. So it really puts this whole housing crisis thing in perspective. It's either the housing crisis or the housing crisis plus increased mortgage rates. Those two combined, it's been quite a year. Yeah, plus wage stagnation, like the whole thing just I think is very challenging. But yeah, look, I see it all around me. I'm like you, Jay, and not all of us are fortunate enough to be in the market already, but I look around it at friends and colleagues and yeah, it's I think there's like a despair out there that is very troubling and this number puts that into perspective. It'll be interesting to see if interest rates come down and housing prices normalize and wages go up, like if this reverses itself, but that'll be a while to unravel that sort of mindset of 33% of non-homeowners thinking they may never be able to afford a house. Brett, Aside from that number, which has doubled plus this year, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, new gun control laws. For our second story, evidence on who blew up the Nord Stream. And for our last story, more Twitter drama. No, can't wait for that, Brett. For our first story, Alberta has introduced new legislation to give itself more power over gun control. This seems like a step in the right direction. What are the details, Brett? So let's get you caught up first on kind of what's going on and where this came from. So the federal government's proposed gun laws, which is called Bill C-21, that would freeze the sale and transfer of handguns and create a new system to report gun owners who pose risks to themselves or others. A temporary version of the handgun freeze is already in effect. Now, Canada has banned 1,500 models of assault rifle firearms since May 20. 2020 and introduced a program to compensate owners who give them up voluntarily. The feds want to ban all assault-style weapons, but can't seem to draw up an adequate definition. Now, if passed, the Alberta Firearms Act would grant the province the power to oversee gun-related funding between Ottawa and municipalities, expand the office of the chief firearms officer, and create a committee to ensure fair compensation for seized guns. It would also give the province's justice minister powers to license seizing agents who can confiscate contraband guns, which is kind Kind of funny considering the justice minister himself, Tyler Shandro, said he doesn't think anyone should have that role. Yeah, a real turn of fortunes there. And it matters because the recent passing of the Alberta Sovereignty Act made it loud and clear that the province is not afraid to push back against the feds. With its challenge to the new gun laws, Alberta is testing the limits of how much a province can diverge from federal law. For our second story, who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines? U.S. officials say they have new clues. Jay, let's start with what the U.S. has found. Sure. Intelligence reviewed by U.S. officials suggests a pro-Ukrainian group was behind last year's attack on two major pipelines linking Russia and Germany, per the New York Times. Officials remain unclear on the perpetrator's nationalities and see no evidence that the Ukrainian government was involved, leaving a lot of questions on the table. Other countries are still looking into the incident, with Sweden's lead investigator explaining that not even Russia has been been ruled out as the culprit. Quote, unquote, it's not logical, he said, but as in the case of a murder, you have to be open to all possibilities. That's going to make a great podcast someday, Brad. And here's the background. The Nord Stream pipeline was responsible for a third of Russia's gas deliveries to Europe before the start of the war in Ukraine. And the newer Nord Stream 2 was supposed to expand capacity further once operational. Explosions tore through the gas pipelines in September, leading to higher energy bills in Europe and a lot of finger pointing. And let's go through all that finger pointing. So starting with Ukraine and Poland, 
Poland blaming Russia, even though Russia made a lot of money selling gas to Germany through Nord Stream. Russia kind of randomly blamed Britain, like off the top of their head. Some, like journalist Seymour Hirsch, think that maybe the U.S. did it, given President Joe Biden's pre-war warning that if Russia invaded Ukraine, America would, and this is not a great look, quote-unquote, bring an end to Nord Stream 2. That's what he said. Ukraine fell under suspicion for its years-long opposition to the whole pipeline project. And setting up a pro-Ukraine anti-Putin group as the chief suspect risks undermining Western support for Ukraine. Ukraine's allies probably aren't too happy that a pro-Ukraine saboteur might be to blame for high gas bills. And American officials, meanwhile, would be less trusting of military partners willing to blow things up without telling them. For our third story, we regret to inform you that Twitter drama has reached unfathomably silly new levels, Brett. Yeah, I know you love Twitter drama, Jay. And so it all started when Hallie Thorlifson tweeted to Elon Musk to say that he, along with two other Twitter employees, they were all locked out of their work computers and couldn't confirm their employment status with HR. Musk responded and the whole situation kind of spiraled. As it is wont to do when Elon Musk is involved. Now, Thorlifson was swiftly terminated while Musk tweeted a barrage of comments doubting his work, questioning his disability, and generally disparaging him. This was a mistake. So it turns out that Thorlifson lives with muscular dystrophy, is a major philanthropist in Iceland, and is seemingly one of the nicest dudes in the world. That's right. Musk called a guy voted as Iceland's person of the year for 2022. He called him the worst. It doesn't seem like he's the worst, Brett. Musk apologized and offered Thorlifson his job back. He's reportedly considering it, but the whole situation is both a terrible look and really a costly, self-inflicted wound. Yeah, Thorlifson sold his startup to Twitter in 2021 and received a job instead of a lump sum. By the way, he did that because he wanted to pay the maximum tax rate in Iceland to contribute to the social welfare net. However, if he's fired, Twitter will reportedly have to pay up big time. And it matters because the tech layoff wave may have make profits-seeking investors happy, but it comes with consequences, especially if laid-off workers include HR. In this case, Musk relying on hearsay to make firing decisions cast doubt on whether Twitter really has a functioning HR team. And if it doesn't, it may be difficult to right the ship. One survey found HR workers are avoiding Twitter like the plague. Nearly three-quarters said they wouldn't take a job at the company. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a good day, Peak Pals. And Brett, if you know any HR people, if they just want to tweet at Twitter, they can probably get a job right now. I know. Maybe that's something that we should consider. <laughs> Have a good day, Brett. You too, Jay. Peak Pals.